something I want to address before we um, before we go on, because uh, I, I just like Ray even mentioned, I mentioned at the beginning, I love the outdoor services. Um, Man, of all the years I've been here, I've often, how many times have I said, you know, on a really beautiful day, man, I wish we could just rip the roof off and, and have the sun come in and the beautiful, I mean, on, uh, when Ohio days are great, they are great. And in all honesty, we get a lot of good days. We can complain about the, the 90s and above, and we can complain about the single digit winters, you know, but I was even talking to a guy, not to rabbit hole too much, but I was talking to a guy earlier and I said, Ohio has the best weather in the country. I really believe that because we were talking about Tennessee and I know a lot of you like to visit Tennessee, whatever, but I lived in Memphis area, you know, an hour north and the winters there, I mean, you didn't have snow. You just didn't. You had very little snow at all. And then the summers, if you think it was hot this past week, imagine that kind of heat with muggy like you wouldn't believe. So we don't get the Nebraska 14 to 20 below winters. And we don't get the Tennessee and South, you know, 90 and you take like, you feel like it took a shower the minute you walked outside summers either. Ohio really is a great state to live in for weather as much as it changes and the craziness. Where am I going with this? Here's where I'm going with this. I love to be outdoors, but uh, the thing that I miss the most from this whole COVID thing that has happened is um, the prayer time that we have, Okay. And uh, that has to be a goal that we are looking forward to getting back to. Never lose sight of that tribe. Never, never lose sight of it. Uh, because what we do here, uh, the ability of, of having people come forward, physically come forward, and the church physically praying for them, is, it, it, is, it is a powerful spiritual manifestation made symbolic in the prayer that we do here. I, I know that's kind of a breathy way to say it, but my but the bottom line is it's a very powerful thing we do, okay? And I love uh, the fact that we do it, the fact that we make it a, you know, I've, I've said this before, that's one we don't give on in the service. You know, we, when we talk about service times and we want to be good to the uh, youth workers and not overextend our welcome with them and the kids and all that, you know, well, what can we flex with? You know, I've, I've said I, I will flex with the sermons this day, and, and I know I run over all the time, but I will flex with the sermon time, but you don't touch prayer time. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. So that's something to get back to. Now, here's the thing. The Lord um, doesn't take away without giving, okay? You got to understand that's who God is. So he doesn't take away without giving. He takes away two things, two ways he takes away. The first one is he takes away stuff that's hurting you or you don't need, okay? And that's good. Now, we don't like it because I don't like it when people take away my toys, huh? okay? And, uh, you know, my brokenness, my hurt, my shame, the addictions I have. I don't like it because, you know, there's a reason I have them. But the Lord says, no, TG, that's not good for you. I'm going to take it away. Okay, so he takes away the bad things for us. He also takes away good things from us to give us better things. Hear me on that? He takes away good things to give us better things. Now, that may not look like what we want, okay? Um, this uh, yesterday, for instance, um, we lost our brother. Uh, we didn't lose him. I sh what a horrible thing to say, TJ. We didn't lose Stan. He's good. Stan's the best he's been in the last two years. But Stan Baumberger passed away. So Linda has now lost her husband. What has she gained? Well, she gained knowing, knowing here, not just up here, but knowing here that Stan is finally all right. 
okay? Stan's been struggling. The dementia's been really hard on him. He's struggled physically. He's struggled mentally. And now he's finally good, okay? So there is a taking, but there is a giving. And there is good in that. It doesn't feel good the way we like our feely feels, okay? But it is good, and we know that. Our spirits know that. All this about prayer time. Here's the deal. Tribe, while we are not able to do prayer time the way we want to and the way we should, we have to make double efforts on an individual basis to be praying for one another. Now, what does that look like? What that looks like is you wake up tomorrow morning and you say, Holy Spirit, who do you want me to pray for today? Who do you want me to intercede for today? Who do you want me, who are are you going to put on my heart? And that's good. And I've had uh, the Holy Spirit's put uh, some of you on my heart at really wacky times. I'm not kidding you, 3.30 in the morning and I'll, I'm awake and you know, someone will come to mind and I think, man, what is Tom Simmons doing up at 3.30 in the morning that I'm having to pray for him? I don't know. I'm just picking on you, Tom. He, he's not really up that early, but I don't know, but I pray for him. Now, that's, you know, 3.30, you don't want to do this, but any other time of the day, somebody comes to your mind, give them a call. Give them a call. Some, if, if somebody comes to your heart and you can go see them physically, go visit them. Don't just say, hey, I'm I'm praying for you. Say, hey, the Lord put you on my heart. Can I pray for you now? Can I pray for you right now? See, that's what we do on Sunday mornings. We have this prayer time. We pray for one another. It's a powerful thing we do. We need to do that on an individual basis, okay? I know that's something that God wants to grow because when we get back to doing prayer time here, he wants to have everyone a prayer warrior, So that it's not just doing it here, it's doing it here and doing it throughout the week, okay? I'm telling you, there's just no substitute for someone coming up to you and saying, and usually in my my circumstances, usually when I need it the most, they'll come up to me when I'm having a bad time, hey, TJ, let me pray for you. Well, why? Do you know something's going on? You know, you got my house bugged or something? No, I just, the Spirit told me I need to pray for you. Well, Spirit's right. The Spirit does have your house bugged. He's got your heart bugged, okay? So He knows exactly what you need, and He sends people to pray for you, and He sends us to pray for others, okay? So, everybody good with that? Long, long meandering, I think it's the stage. You know, I get up here, I'm higher than you, and I feel like I can just go on forever. So... Because we have a long ways to go. So uh, let, let me pray and then we'll get started. Father, I want to declare your goodness. I want to declare your goodness over the time that we have. Father, I would pray that you keep uh, my words short and we allow you, Holy Spirit, to fill in all the gaps in a powerful way. Uh, Lord, um, we, we sang, here's my heart. Uh, we, we mean that even if we, we can't feel it. We mean it. Here's our hearts. Help us. Lord, speak what is true. Speak what is true. Please, Lord, speak what is true. Help us to hear you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start with verse 16 and go. As you're turning there, and I don't have a page number of your pew Bibles because we don't have pew Bibles because thank you, COVID. But anyway, we'll get those back to you someday. There is a myth in Christendom that goes something like this, that God will not give you anything greater than you can bear. Or uh, sometimes I've heard it said, God won't give you more than you can handle. Okay, that is a myth. In fact, I want to almost say it's a bold-faced lie, although I understand where they get it from. I understand the concept, but it's very toxic, and I'll get to that in a second. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where the actual words of the Lord are, you will not be tempted beyond 
uh, what you can bear, and there will always be a way out of the temptation. Okay? So the focus here is on being tempted to sin, being tempted to be faithless, being tempted to trust in anything but God. God says, I will not put something in your path that is going to force you to lose faith in me, that's going to force you to trust something other than me. Okay? So temptation is the sphere of that statement. It is not circumstances of life or relationship issues or even uh, emotional, mental, or physical issues. In fact, I suspect, let me go off the reservation here, I'm completely on the reservation here when I say God will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can stand. There will always be a way out. There will always be a way to stand. Now, in the case of our good friend Dietrich Bonhoeffer, our brother who's gone to be with the Lord in the heaven, his way out was at the end of a rope. But you know what? The Nazis that executed him said that when he went to the gallows, the last thing he did before he looked up to heaven and said, Lord, receive my spirit with a smile on his face, was to turn to those that were killing him and say, I forgive you. And it wasn't just lip service. He meant it. That was his way out. Okay? Now, let me go off the reservation and say that I suspect that God is in the habit of giving me impossible tasks all the time. In other words, giving me more than I can bear giving me more than I can handle. I think he does that. I think he does it intentionally. I really suspect that. I won't say like authoritatively, I know he does, because I'm not going to speak for him on this one, but I suspect it. You know, when there's just too many coincidences in your life that say, you know what, I think God really is doing this. I think really God really is giving you more than you can handle. And and I'm not talking about, uh, you know, like even, well, when I was growing up, you know, missionaries would come and say how God got them into the country, uh, even though, you know, there was checkpoints and and crazy missionary stories of impossible miracles happening. I believe in all that. That's all good. Or, you know, uh, a a couple goes to an area and they, uh, you know, church just boom, blows overnight. And they would say, oh, we thought this was impossible. This was impossible. But, you know, it, it happened. I'm not talking about things like that. I'm talking about the growth in my heart, the things that I have to handle, me personally, relationally, emotionally, mentally, those things. I think God gives me more than I can handle. I think God likes to take me to my breaking point, okay? I think he likes to take me there because he knows that with TJ, it's impossible, but with God, it's not. Angel goes to Mary, says, Mary, you're going to be pregnant. It's going to be the Messiah. Mary says, "Um, hey, Gabe, uh, here's the deal. I talked with mom. She explained the birds and the bees. I know that there's no stork. You don't just go out to the cabbage patch. Anybody remember the cabbage patch story? Anyway, you don't go out to the cabbage patch. I I understand how these things work, uh, Lord. So I don't know how that's going to happen because no husband. And uh, the angel says, well, here's how it's going to happen. Holy Spirit's going to come. And you got to understand something, Mary, that uh, with man, yeah, that's possible. But with God... Uh, The King James in the NIV 1984 says uh, nothing is impossible with God or nothing is impossible for God. Interestingly enough, 
the more current version of the NIV. I actually like that translation because it's more in line. Because the word there for nothing is impossible is a phrase, and it literally means no word. No word. No word. And the way it's formed in the Greek, no word of God is impossible. No word of God is impossible. So the new NIV actually translates Luke 137, I think a little bit better. No word of God is impossible. When the Lord speaks, when he speaks a word into your heart, what is impossible for you is not impossible for him. In fact, he says in other areas, I don't send my word out and it return void. When my word goes out, it does exactly what I set it out to do. My word will be accomplished. We have been given an impossible task and daily it seems more and more impossible. As the brothers and sisters, as the sons and daughters of God, as those that believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation, we are called to be light and salt in our world which is becoming increasingly harder to do. And the church has, throughout the years of my life, has tried a myriad of ways to try and figure out how do I reach culture? How do I impact the world around me, right? And, and when I was in college, you know, it, uh, marketing was the big thing. You know, if we just, if we become more seeker sensitive uh, to people that are coming in, that will draw uh, people uh, to the church. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a good thing. Uh, we should be welcoming to people that come in the doors. We need to be accessible to them. If, if someone just happened to pop in, they know nothing about Jesus, I want them to be able to come in. And, and I, it's like we have Jesus in the middle of the room. We're going to flip the lights on. We're going to move all the furniture out of the way so they can get to Jesus as easily as possible. So there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not salt and light. That's not going to change the culture. And people aren't going to be drawn to that necessarily. Oh, so, uh, you know, then uh, growing up in the 80s and then the early 90s, uh, you know, the moral majority. Anybody remember that with Pat Buchanan and all that good stuff? And so we said, you know, if we can just get to the ballot box and if we can just get the right people in office and then sort of by fiat or force or whatever you want to say it, we're going to make, you know, uh, the culture look like what we know it should look like. And that's not going to work, right? We, we kind of know that one. Politics is not, politics and religion do not go well together. They don't mix very well. Uh, we are kingdom first. We are good citizens because we are good Christians. Um, and, and trying to force uh, your set of moral standards on a, a society or a culture that doesn't share them or hold them or want them is never a good idea. It doesn't end well. So, okay. The fight that our, our generations coming up are going to deal with is, uh, oh, you know what? If we, just, if we go out and we serve the community, if we go out and we embrace these social justice causes, then, then that's how we're going to impact society. That's how we're going to change the culture. And again, just, just like the seeker-sensitive idea, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, all those are good things. It's, it's good to be 
you know, sensitive to those coming in the door. It's good to champion these social justice causes. I mean, the church stands against poverty and all the ills that go along with it. We need to stand with the poor. We need to stand with those that don't have a voice. Any kind of oppression is bad. I don't care who it's on. And, and racism, oh my gosh, it's, it's blasphemy, offensive, anathema. I can't begin to even, you know, all, but you know what? Championing these causes, serving our community is not salt and light. Galatians 5. How will we be salt and light? How will we stand in this world that is becoming increasingly more hostile to the values we share becoming increasingly more hostile to any kind of authority the church had at one time in the community, becoming increasingly more hostile to things that we took as foundational and granted. How are we going to be salt and light in this new world we live in? Ironically enough, the message has never changed. The source has never changed. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord, Jeremiah. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Okay, let's, let's read our text this morning. I'll draw some quick ones and we'll be out of here in nine minutes. Ha <laughs> ha. Anyway, Galatians chapter 5, starting with verse 16. So I say, live by the spirit. Now I want to bookend that. I want to do something that Paul had absolutely no desire to do and never intended in this letter that he wrote to the church in Galatia, which is, I'm going to take this verse 16 and I'm going to say that's the first bookend and I'm going to go down to verse 20, uh, 25 and say that's the second bookend and I'm going to say that those two bookends are going to influence and dominate and that should be the lenses by which we view all the verses in between. So I say, verse 16, live by the Spirit. In verse 25, since we, what, live by the Spirit, Let's keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, so that idea of living by the Spirit, living, not just, uh, you know, visiting the Spirit or checking the Spirit out or uh, following the Spirit on Twitter or any other social media out there. It's not just checking Him once in a while on your phone, the Spirit, living by the Spirit, so much so that you're in step with the Spirit. Uh, you remember when we used to do parades? Remember like last year when there were par such a thing as parades, you know? Remember the, the bands? I always loved, I always, you could always tell the good bands from the bad bands. You had like the sloppy bands that just sort of marched down and they played and that was fine. But then you had, I, I always liked the band of gold. You know, I just thought they were really good. You know how they were always in step with each other. Then you want to know band of gold on crack. That's, uh, I got to go down to an Ohio State game, right? And I could not tell you anything about the football that they played. I cared nothing about the football. But during halftime, oh, baby, I remember that, right? Because that's the best darn band in the land. It's a church version. So, you know, but they really are. They really are. It's insane what they're able to do. And then I, I went home, and again, I don't Still not a Buckeye, don't care anything about them, you know, but I'm on YouTube looking up all the band because, I mean, they're doing nuts stuff all in step 
all in step. Amazing. Paul says that's what we are to be. Our lives are to be this. Our source of power and wisdom and direction is the same that it's always been. How are we going to navigate these waters and thrive in them? By living in the Spirit. Now let's, let's read on. So uh, live in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. Paul loves to use conflict language. Paul loves to use warfare language because he understands we are in a war. Okay, we are in a war, plain and simple. It is a battle. It is a battle for eternal things. It is a battle for your heart and your mind. It is a battle for your family and your marriages and your kids and your grandkids and your parents and your brothers and your sisters. It is a battle. You have to understand that there is no peace. There is no respite in this life. This is a battle. It is a winnable battle. In fact, the battle is already won. The victory is ours. We move from victory, a place of victory. Oh, my, look at that spit. It's just flying everywhere. (laughs) We move from a place of victory, okay? But we are at war. They are in conflict with each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Anytime Paul puts a list, if you could go through and find these lists of things that Paul says, man, these are contrary to the spirit. These are things of the flesh. These are bad things. It's always interesting how they, he has things that I would say are so way whacked out and he puts in with them things that I don't think are that bad, right? Like, um, okay, orgies, well, PG-13. Dadgummit. Witchcraft. Let's go to witchcraft. (laughs) So witchcraft, very bad, right? Witchcraft, very bad. I I like being outside so much better. (laughs) Witchcraft, bad. But look, envy, fits of rage, jealousy, hatred. Okay, I don't want to focus on that, though, because understand that even when Paul gives lists like this, It's not to focus on the negatives. It's to juxtapose them with the positives. See, that's that's the key, I think. One of the things we have to do a better job of as sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, we have to magnify and emphasize the positive. We have to encourage people towards the positive. Rather than going out and criticizing, we need to be raising up what God is doing in them. Okay, are they perfect? Have they got it all mastered? No. But do you? Are you? No. But you know what God wants to do? God wants to take what he's doing in you and magnify it and really pull it out. So we go to our young men and we say, you're a good man. You're a good gift to this world. Your masculinity is a gift of God that God has given to the world through you. And we go to our young girls and we say, you are beautiful and your, your womanhood is a good gift. It's a good gift to the world. And we celebrate that. And we want to magnify what God is doing in you. You focus on what God has intended rather than what is broken. Okay? Now, here's the kicker. Verse 22. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Where is the power? We will not be salt and light. We will not navigate these waters well. We will not thrive. You will not thrive in your own personal life and your relationship with God unless you have wisdom and power. Wisdom and power. You don't have wisdom and power. You can't read it in a book. You can't. Do all the Bible studies you want. Do all the word studies. You know, get a... Ivy League degree in theology. You cannot have wisdom and power outside of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives wisdom. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit is wisdom. You go back to the book of Proverbs and it says it's wisdom. Literally, Sophia, wisdom. And the Holy Spirit is power. It is the power we have we've been called to have. We're not to have military might or earthly physical power. We are called to have power that has eternal consequences to it. Eternal consequences. Joy by nature, the joy of God by nature, by nature is an act of defiance to the enemy. Every one of these fruit is an act of defiance to the enemy. The enemy that, that seeks to tear you down, the lies that buzz in your mind, the, the broken uh, uh, attitudes and behaviors of your heart, every one of these fruits is an act of defiance to them. Every one of these fruits is a choice, an active, conscious choice. Now, don't confuse this, okay? Don't, don't, hear, don't hear me wrong. You don't grow the fruit in your life. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of TJ. It's the fruit of the Spirit. I can't just wake up and go, I'm going to be, I'm going to have more goodness today. I'm going to have uh, more patience. Ha ha. The prayer you don't pray, right? The thing you don't ask the Lord for. Well, forbearance. In other words, you lay down what you're entitled to for the sake of someone else. You lay down what you're entitled to for the sake of someone else, and you do it with the right spirit. You see, every one of these things has to be with the right spirit, not just the Holy Spirit, but yours as well, because if you do it otherwise, you screwed it up and it's no good. What do I mean by that is, if I have to begrudgingly give up my rights for someone else, I haven't given up anything. If I have to begrudgingly say, well, go ahead and take it, well, fine, that's uh, <laughs> God doesn't care about that. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. That's the glazing on the stick of dynamite there. Okay? Every one of these is the fruit of the Spirit. We, however, have a choice to walk in step with the Spirit or to frustrate the snot out of the Spirit. And speaking as one who has spent a majority of his life 
frustrating the snot out of the spirit, I can tell you it's possible. It's not good, okay, but it's possible. In fact, the Holy Spirit won't kick and scream and drag me that way. The Holy Spirit says, TJ, you need joy in the world around you. I want to give joy to the people around you. I, I'm going to spread. It's not joy for TJ or love for TJ. It's love to come into TJ and out through the world. You know, I don't eat the fruit. That's another thing. Fruit's not for TJ. I get to grow it, but then, you know, Josh gets to pick it and, you know, that's how it works. Every one of these is a constant. So I choose, I choose, Lord, let it be unto me as you have said. That's, that's the choice in it. The choice is me saying, okay, Lord, grow it. Let me be broken in this area so that you can grow it. Final thing, because this is important. Go back to the impossible things that God asks us to do. Because what does it look like when God asks us to do something impossible? What it looks like is you breaking. And that's not, that's not, not nice. It means you being pushed to your limit and beyond. It means you being taken to a place where you realize you can't do it. When you get taken to a place where you throw up your hands and you say, Lord, either you're going to save me or I'm going to die. Either it's your will or I have nothing. It's a place where you say, what are you trying to grow in me, Lord? What is it you want to draw out of me? And I can't do it. So please, Father, let it be done unto me as you have said. The people that I know that exemplify these fruits, you know, specific ones in here, specific, you know, kindness, gentleness, patience, peace. You know, I, I've gone to people and I say, man, how are you so peaceful in the midst of this? And they say, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm, I feel like I, I struggle every day to lower my anxiety, to, get, to lay my anxiety down before the Lord. I've gone to people that I think are some of the kindest people. And I, I say, how are you so kind? And they say, you, you ask them, how do they do this? And they'll tell you it's usually the opposite is true. Usually the opposite is true. They struggle with anxiety. They struggle with anger. They struggle with bitterness. They struggle with you fill in the blank. What has happened in their life is God has taken them to the breaking point. God took them to the place where they broke. And they said, no more. No more. That's how God is able to take John the Apostle, a son of thunder, and turn him into John the apostle of love. Okay, I've said enough. We'll pray, we're four minutes over, and then we'll be going peace. Father God, we need the power of your spirit. We need the ability to say yes to you, and all that comes from you. God, I pray for myself and my brothers and sisters in the place where we are of breaking, because it is so beautiful. It is a place where you start to make your best masterpieces, Lord. And every one of us here wants to be your masterpiece. Every one of us here wants to know you more. Every one of us here wants to sing with every fiber of our being. Here's my heart, O Lord. Speak what is true. We want to believe it, Lord. We want to see our culture moved by a church filled with joy and peace and love. 
Father God, a fierce love, an uncompromising love, a love that embraces no matter what they are, who they are. We embrace them and love them to you, Lord, so that you might transform them as we've been transformed. Father God, these are impossible things, impossible for us to change the culture, impossible for us to even change our own lives, our own marriages, our own families, our own jobs, our own schools, all of it, Lord. It's impossible, but nothing's impossible with you, Lord, and we believe that. So Lord, break us and make us. We pray in Jesus' holy name, amen, amen. Good job, church. Thank you. You may go in peace. Shalom.